This week, for All Saints Sunday, the gospel, or our scripture, comes out of the gospel of John, chapter 11, verses 32 through 44. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, where have you laid them? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So they said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again, greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Jesus looked upwards and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here so that they may believe that you have sent me. When he had said this, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth, his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Folks, that's the gospel. I'm going to move that out of the way because I want to get up here and move around. Some of you will know this about me. I'm a big fan of movies. I love movies. I tend to think about movie scenes to illustrate points. Sometimes I just think about them depending on my day-to-day, what's going on. I quote them excessively, probably too much, but I do it anyway. And there's one in particular that I'm thinking about right now. That movie is The Princess Bride. The movie quotes from that are endless. Who can, re, who, can, who can forget, my name is Inigo Montoya, you killed my father, prepare to die. Or inconceivable, or as you wish. But there's one quote, one thought, that's really jumping out in my head. And if you haven't seen this movie, folks, go see it, because it's amazing. But it includes this one scene, where one of the characters who has been in battle and has died, is taken to this old man, and the old man is played by Billy Crystal. And as Billy Crystal is examining him, he says, Ah, oh, he's only mostly dead. Now, if you know the story, you know what happens next. If you don't know the story, spoilers, they bring him back to life and things. the story continues. But it's because he was only mostly dead. Now, I'm thinking about this story because the opposite is true. But before we really get into this story, we gotta back up some, we gotta give you some background. We can't just jump into it like this. There is this family that is known and loved by Jesus. We got Lazarus, we've got his sisters, Mary and Martha. And all of these individuals are featured in this story. But here's what's going on. For whatever reason, Jesus is really fond of this family. And Jesus is out doing his ministry and he's traveling around Israel or the Holy Land, we call it. And he's doing all these various things, all this stuff going on. And he's healing over here and he's teaching over here and he's doing stuff over here. Miracles, miracles, teaching, all sorts of stuff. Word is spread. Everybody knows about this stuff. Lazarus gets sick. And this is the type of sickness that doesn't look real spectacular. It doesn't look real good. And so they send word to Jesus. And word goes by foot. It's not like they could just call him up on the cell phone and be like, hey, dude, he's sick. They have to send word by foot. And word reaches Jesus. The man that you love, Lazarus, is sick. You need to come right away. And here's the weird thing about this. You would think 
that Jesus would just jump up and sprint and get there as fast as possible. But that's not what happens. Jesus stays put where he is for two more days. Doesn't even attempt to go yet. When he finally does think, eh, maybe we should go check out things with Lazarus, they get there at the speed of walking. That's the deal. Now, the Holy Land, Israel, it's not an enormous place when we think about the grand scheme of things, but there was no Ubers to take. You couldn't take a bus. You couldn't hop in a car. You got anywhere you were going by the speed of walking. So Jesus hears that Lazarus is sick. He hangs out for two days before he even thinks about doing anything. And finally, they, they take off and they walk there. There does not seem to be any urgency. When they are approaching Bethany, which is this little bitty village just a couple of miles outside of Jerusalem, and that's where Lazarus and Mary and Martha live, word gets to Mary and Martha that Jesus is coming in, and they're a little upset with him because by this point, as we hear in the story, Lazarus has already been dead for four days. So however long it takes Jesus to get there, Lazarus has not gotten better. He's gotten worse. He has died. He's in the tomb four days. Now, the first person that Jesus encounters is the sister Martha. Now she goes out and meets him as he's coming into the, into the town. And her response is perhaps understandable. She kind of gives him the business just a little bit. She says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Martha's brother is dead and she's having a reaction. She's mourning and who can blame her? She had reached out to Jesus for help. Jesus didn't get there. He showed no urgency, and she's kind of angry, and she's upset, and who can blame her? Now, they have this little back-and-forth exchange, and then the other sister, Mary, she comes out, and that's where things pick up, and we hear the same exact thing. She gives him the exact same response. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died, and who can blame her? She's upset. She is mourning, and rightly so, because death creates this border. It creates this boundary. And as we all know, because we've all experienced it in one form or another, death creates a separation with those that we care about. And we can't be with them. And they're seemingly taken from us. And it's upsetting. And we weep. And we cry. And we get emotional. And we get angry. It's all part of this process that we call mourning. But here's the interesting thing. We're not alone in it. We hear, not just once, but twice, that Jesus does the exact same thing. He also gets emotional. He gets upset within himself. We hear he's deeply moved or he's, he's aggravated with himself. Some of the original language makes it sound like he's angry at this whole situation. And finally, he asks, where have you laid them? And they say, come and see. Now, there's this back and forth. There are the promises that Jesus gives to the sisters of, have I not told you that if you believed, you would see eternal life? All of this different stuff going on. But we have this moment where Jesus, who is God in human form, God, the word of God made flesh and dwelling among us, is invited to come and see the place of death. Here's the thing about that particular statement or that particular phrase that we hear when Jesus is invited, come and see. Usually that's his line. Almost all the time when Jesus has encounters, especially here in John's gospel, though the same sensibility is found in the other gospels as well. Usually someone will come in and Jesus invites them to come and see. Come and experience it for yourself, but this time around, it is Jesus who is invited to come and see the place of death. I found myself wondering why. Why is that? Why does Jesus have to come and see? Now, on one hand, maybe, just maybe, 
God had to take on flesh, become one of us to then experience death in the same way that we do. And not his own physical death, that would happen later, but to experience the pain and the sorrow and the anguish that comes with experiencing the death of one that we care about. Maybe this was an opportunity for Jesus, God in human form, to experience that and to know it in the same way that we do. Maybe that's what's going on. Or maybe that doesn't really matter. Maybe all that really matters in this situation is that we need to see that Jesus is there. We need to see that God is there in the place of death. We need to see that not only is God there, but that God reacts to it in the same way that we do. Jesus is upset, and he weeps, and he mourns the reality of death. God mourns death. But God does something about it. Now, here's what's fascinating about this. Jesus cries out with a loud voice, a voice that seems to be larger, greater, bigger, louder, whatever word we want to use, bigger than the barrier of death, which we cannot overcome. Jesus can. And he cries out, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus joins in a very elite list. Lazarus is raised from the dead, one of only three people in the New Testament that this happens. Jesus raises Lazarus, he raises the son of a widow in a community called Nain, and he raises the daughter of a man named Jairus. Those are the only three people that Jesus brings back from the dead. But there's something interesting about all of them. Because while this is a resurrection, I do not believe that this is the resurrection. And it stands to reason that all three of those individuals, Lazarus included, would walk around for a while, but they would once again experience death because death is the reality at the end of life. But Jesus came to do something different. And in his own death and subsequent resurrection, I believe that he was making it possible for all of us to be included in the promise of the resurrection, one that we do not yet see but has been promised to us. Whatever it was that God was accomplishing through the life and then the death and then the resurrection of Jesus, it seemed to be making a promise to each one of us that God, the same one who mourns death, who has a visceral reaction to the reality of death, will also do something about it. That's what Jesus was accomplishing on the cross. That's what was being accomplished when Jesus rose again and came out of the tomb. This is just a foretaste. And we hold on to that promise. And remember, especially on all saints, when we consider those who have gone on before us, that they are experiencing firsthand that which one day we will as well. The promise of the fulfillment of the resurrection made to us through Christ. That is the promise for each one of us. That is a promise for you. Simply because God loves you and claims you as beloved child.